Iceland is a geothermal wonderland, benefiting from the clash of tectonic plates between North America and Europe. It soared in popularity in recent years and gives you a chance to see Mother Nature at work in new lava fissures, glaciers on the move, and a windswept landscape that just might get you to believe in elves. Tour guide Yorick Harker lives in one of England's most scenic counties in the Lake District, but he's become acquainted with the backcountry of Iceland as his favorite place to really escape into nature under the midnight sun. He joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves with tips for enjoying the wilds of Iceland. Hi, thanks so much. So when you think about Iceland, you think about it's so trendy, but you're really focusing on something far away from the crowds. Tell us about that other side of Iceland. Uh, I've been traveling there for 20 years, and it used to be just 30,000 people per year would visit. Now I think 2 million. Once I finish guiding, I will admit I have to escape and just hit the wilderness. Uh, as a European, for me, it's our wilderness. I know America, Canada, it's a different scale. One minute, you're in Reykjavik, ultra-modern city. Half an hour, you've left the city, you've maybe just come from the Apple store, and then half an hour, you're on the moon in a, in a desert, in a black sand desert. And uh-huh. that, to me, I mean... It's like two different worlds. So yeah. you're saying there's, it used to be 30,000 30, people yeah, a year. Sure. Now a couple million people visit Iceland. For sure. Now what's the, I mean, the population of Iceland is remarkably small. Yes. It's about 360,000. Uh, there's been a large influx of people from Europe working there in recent years. About 330,000 is the population of the so Icelanders. So well under half a million Icelanders. Oh, yeah. And so many, 270,000 or so in this small corner around Reykjavik. Between the airport and Reykjavik. And correct, area. correct, yeah. yeah. All right. So so really, it's, it's remarkably small. And it doesn't have much of an infrastructure. There's one main road around the island. Correct. There's one Correct. big city, and Correct. that's really it. It really is. And we all go to the famous Blue Lagoon, and we all go on the Golden Circle, and we all, you know, see the big Lutheran church in Reykjavik, and that's all great. But you, as a guide, when you're on your own, you just make for the just go. vast... Is just it go. The, Is it mostly the interior? Yeah, they're known as the highlands, the central highlands. Right. But it's not high mountains because geologically the island is... It's separating, it's, it's opening. So it's a gentle plateau, but it's unique in that you have these amazing volcanoes, but with glaciers on top. And the island is like, there's one paved road that circles the island. Just give me the, the lay of the, the land from a pavement point of view. What is there? Sure. You have, um, it's correct, it's a, a circle. If we're ignoring this bit that stems out at the top, the northwest fjord. So if you ignore that, it is like a circle. It's the road one. Uh, completed only in 1974. Some parts are still um, mud roads, even on the road one. And then outside of that, we tend to call them uh, mountain roads. It's got an F prefix. F roads. Yeah. And these are generally gravel, unpaved. Correct. They're uh, unpaved. They're starting to do more and more as the demand for tourism uh, Mm -hmm. grows. Now tourism's the number one industry. You know, what I was struck by, York is driving on Highway 1, or Road 1, Yeah. Every time you did a little turnoff, there's a pull-off, uh, a little rest area where you have a beautiful map and a very detailed map of what are, where are the farms and where are the restaurants and, and where are the sites on this little road that branches off the big circle road. So you really sort of know what your options are as soon as you leave that Highway 1. I've always found that the Icelanders do things very well with detail. And one thing I would really, really stress, before you do go out, uh, use the website, the traffic website, 
Is that the safe.is? That's a good one there. You can log your details and it will take your position. It will hold five positions in the computer. So if anything happens, then the rescue team, you just press one button as an app and they will know your GPS system. But it's called um, road.is. So IS for Iceland. Correct. It breaks the country up, I think, into nine divisions. And it will give you so much information, the current uh, weather. It will give you how many people have been on that road in 24 hours, in the last hour. Uh, And the most important thing for me in Iceland, um, it's the wind. It's obviously the name, ice. People think cold. Average temperatures aren't too bad, especially on the south coast, close to the ocean. The wind is the killer. So on the road, you will obviously, as you said, get those information signs. You'll get wind speed. And it's going to be in meters per second. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Jorik Harker. And Jorik is a guide in Iceland, and his passion is getting away from the people into the interior of that remote and just jaw-droppingly beautiful island. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and you can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. And Lisa from Glendew, Illinois, emailed us, and Lisa writes, We were in Iceland in January, and the wind gusts were over 90 miles an hour, resulting in cancellations of many of our excursions. Uh, They were there in January. Is is wind more of a problem in the winter, or is it just something all year long? I would say uh, all year long. More so it's happening, obviously, with the changes in in the globe. May, they're starting to get a lot of more anticyclones, and it is a problem. It doesn't snow so much, but one big difficulty whilst traveling is the spin drift. Because there are so few trees, very few fences, no stone walls really, and so the wind picks up that snow, and whilst you're driving, it's very disorientating. You know, you've mentioned the wind, York, and this is so interesting because when I landed in, in Iceland last time, at the airport, they said, um, and we highly recommend sand damage insurance on your car. I thought, well, what's that? I just thought they're trying to, you know, hit me up with some bogus extra expense. But no, you get sandstorms where it can ruin the surface of the car. And if you don't have insurance, it can be expensive. Yes. When you get to the airport, sometimes you think it's an expensive country trying to minimize the costs. If you go to the northwest, not a big problem. But if you're on the south coast, that's the sand area. Yeah. And I would kind of advise it because I have been caught in a sandstorm and it's at first, because you might leave your car at the ferry dock there to go to the Westman Islands, come back two days later, and your car is a mess. Amazing. And in fact, I was on the Westman Islands, and everybody says, "Watch out for nature." Iceland's serious; you can really hurt yourself. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was walking on this breakwater, uh-huh. you know, getting pictures of the harbor. It was so beautiful; the light is so beautiful. And I'm walking on these giant rocks on a breakwater. I nearly got blown right into the sea. A gust came up, and you know, I can hold my own. Yes. And. Uh, I've never had that experience before, but it happened in Iceland. So I guess you hear a lot of people that really know nature say, take the safety warnings seriously. Respect that land. It will teach you a lesson and it won't take you prisoner. It'll just flick you off the map. I've learned the hard way a lot in Iceland. It's taught me a lot of lessons. And uh, Hmm. the simple one, always listen to the locals. They're very friendly. They're very approachable. Their English standard is, I'm afraid, better than mine. (laughs) They have... a great humor, and just listen to the locals. It's a thing I've learned, and unfortunately, a lot of new tourists to the country don't. And then there are those websites, and people will find them when they're driving, but you see these road safety stops everywhere, and you see references to, to websites that tell you what's the weather and what to be careful of and so on. Take care of that. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Yorick Harker. We're talking about Iceland's backcountry. Nicole from Victoria in British Columbia is on the line. Nicole, thanks for your call. 
Yes, I'm, I'm interested in exploring Iceland someday, and I'm wondering if you have thoughts on um, renting equipment and gear once we're there, or is it always better to bring our own from home? So I guess the big question is if you're going to do the typical tourist stuff, you'll have, you know, the big city stuff that you'd expect to have. But with York, we're talking about getting off into the countryside, and that's a great question, York. Uh, there's a company that I use, and very nice people. It's based in the center of Reykjavik, and in a very typical Icelandic uh, fashion, very honest system. So you can turn up, especially uh, in the off-season. They will give you a pin code, and you get to that door, you just put it in, and all the kit will be in there. And it'll be your name, your number, and if you, for example, I, find, I always find it very difficult when you've landed, you might have a stove. You can't travel with gas, flammable objects in your bag. It's always a hard thing to get hold of. So they will have gas for you there, uh, camping gas. They'll have water, they'll have sleeping bags, tents, poles, you name it. And also, which is very good, they'll have um, like the spot devices, so GPS if, uh, for rescue. So let me understand this, York. Uh, you mean it's systems. a it's an online service and you book it in advance. Yes. You pay for it. Yes. And they give you a, a PIN code or whatever. When you get there, you go to a depot where your gear is waiting for you. That's right. That's out of season. If not, uh, they have a shop upstairs from there. In Reykjavik. Right in the downtown. And they're a very good, uh, very nice system. Very what, nice and what use. company is that? It's just called uh, Camping Iceland. Camping Iceland. Yeah. And what if you're if you're going off into the countryside, you've got your car, would most people then rent gear like that, or what would you advise? Do you normally end up uh, with a tent and a sleeping bag, or do you stay in guest houses and on farms and then hike from there? I'm sorry, I'm a hobbit. I'm happy to sleep in a truck or in a snow cave. But uh, if you want some Watcons, you can take a tent, you can get air mattresses. You there's, sleep in a snow cave, unlike softies like me who prefer a tent. Okay. <laughs> but there's some amazing guest houses. There's the very good uh, association of mountain huts. Uh, again, an honesty system. There'll be kitchens there. The door is open. Some of them are haunted because this is Iceland and, uh, you know, you always have the mysticism, the, the spiritual side. Others, they're part of an association in town. You'll book that in advance. They'll give you the key. You go along and you open it up and yeah. just maybe for and a I, I've, I've thought about this, you know, a decade ago or whatever, they would have tens of thousands of visitors and now they have millions of visitors. Yeah. And what they've done, I've noticed, is every farm in the countryside, now they've got more tourists than cows yes. in the barn. And yeah, just it's simple more, little, it's more profitable small little, you know, dorms or whatever or huts. And it's the honor system. It's yes. sleek. It's minimal. It's plenty comfortable. Yes. And you're immersed in the wonder, the natural wonder of Iceland. Nicole, thanks for your call. That's great. Thanks for the info. You bet. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Yorick Harker. Yorick, describe for us the, the appeal for you to be in the middle of Iceland. What is it like to venture away from the people, away from the paved roads, What's the attraction? What's the reward? I think it's the way that the elements change so quickly. I travel there so many times and people say, why are you taking photographs? I'm like, because it's different again today. The shapes. So when I first went in my mind, I saw everything scientifically and uh, not as a trained geologist by any means, but through the geology. And people would talk about the folklore and the spiritual side and I would be like, you're talking rubbish, it's ridiculous. After a while, you spend time out there. It doesn't get dark. The shadows change very slowly. The light changes. The lava has been eroded in such a way by the wind. You do start to see shapes. I know essentially how it was made by geology. But once you're standing there on your own and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and it's this twilight, this between dusk and, 
and the morning you start to see those shapes and you're like wait a minute what did i just see there you know and i'm like no i'm not going down that avenue but i'm afraid you will it's it's a place that just gets inside of of all groups that i take of all ages i think that's why i love it it's just a really special place in that regard it just sweeps you away yeah and i'm torn i really have to say my job our lives have been tourism you know we guide we we want people to go to a place there's two million people there now everyone wants to iceland's the hot topic so some of it hurts me but some of it i think well the country is doing well it's giving a lot of jobs yeah. great for the economy the thing that hurts me the most is the way that it's changing pollution wise ecologically people that don't respect because iceland scandinavians they don't put up warning signs so you don't see safety signs you don't see safety ropes if you do it's maybe a short just six inches off the ground they're easy to step over so i kind of it hurts inside when i see the the trash the rubbish mm-hmm. i love the national parks of america it's a huge draw for me and i love how they're managed i think iceland has to catch up it's learning lessons you know the management of simple things toilets toilet waste trash mm-hmm. car parks shops you know the these great waterfalls um I've noticed that in just the space of five years. Yeah. I, went, I went to the famous Completely. waterfalls five Completely. years ago, and they were just like, pull off the road, go there, That's it's it. all years. That's it. Now there's a paid parking lot, there's a little restaurant, That's there's it. big crowds, there's yeah. ropes that keep people back, yeah. and uh, and every year several tourists die. Yeah. They don't read the morning, and they do their selfie, and a gust of wind comes, and their history. Yeah. So just in a nutshell, I would just say, love the place, enjoy it, but just respect it, and respect the people. I mean, imagine any other country that had six times their population visiting six in a year. times I mean, their think population of it, you know, that's it, what it is yeah, 300,000 people imagine that many people to the states to right. Yosemite this is Travel with Rick Steves we've been talking with Yorick Harker and Yorick Page from Buffalo in Wyoming has just emailed us and she says she'd like to have a little more active part of her three day layover in, in Iceland than rather than just seeing Reykjavik and going on a road trip so you know a lot of people just have two or three days they're going to see Reykjavik they're going to go to one of the hot springs or something but there is an option, not to be, you know, fanatic like you living in an ice cave in the middle of Iceland, <laughs> but just to venture away from the paved road and have an adventure, you'd probably end up paying somebody to take you on a four-wheeler. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for one unforgettable day to get really into nature? Yep. It's, uh, it's possible. With, with somebody who's a normal tourist and not, oh, a, really? not an outdoor expert no, like no, you. No, it's absolutely fine, and it's a country that lends itself very much to that. And I would also stress you don't need to go to the Northwest Highlands. You don't need to go to the far northeast. Actually, one of my favorite areas, it's the Reynes Peninsula. So mm-hmm. you're going to land, if you're coming by plane, which most people are, you're going to land at Keflavik. Right. And that's on this far edge of the peninsula. And, and, and the airport is on the peninsula. What's the name of the peninsula? Uh, Reynes. Reynes. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So and the, it's like... Um, the smoky it, it, peninsula. It is, okay, that means smoky in Icelandic because driving around there, it's just like a lunar landscape of lava. Yes. Around that area, it is a geothermal park, a uh, UNESCO site just 40 kilometers from the main city so you, you can find lots of hotels between those two areas and there's definitely companies who will go quad biking mm-hmm. um, 100,000 or so almost 100,000 horses in Iceland it's a massive part of their culture three horses for every yeah mm-hmm. I see no yeah, yeah it's almost one to three one to and three, yeah. um, so there's some great trekking on the peninsula either through the lava fields or uh, on the beaches mm-hmm uh, very good established companies. They will provide you again with the equipment. In fact, if you're into the horse riding, don't bring your own equipment. You're not allowed to use it. Uh, so there's there's some treks. And also, if you want to go by car, um, Arctic Trucks, very big company there. They will uh, modify, say, like Toyota Hiluxes 
and they will take you just into the interior, which isn't too far to get to. You can go into the... So the these long. are the all-terrain vehicles that have those snorkels that go up? Completely. So on the front, you've got these snorkels going up so they can uh, basically go through rivers and not have the, the engine drowned? Correct. Most of the roads in the interior, they're gravel and there's very few bridges. That in itself is quite an experience. That's the one day I had on the interior that was wonderful. It's probably one country that that merits, if you just are, you know, a a lightweight coming in for a couple of days, to hire somebody who's got the gear, got the expertise, and give you that Icelandic experience. I'm not going to deny it. It's a very expensive country, but I've always found the value is very good. Uh And they're very, very flexible. So if the weather is bad, if things are cancelled, they'll very often try and give you a... Another time slot, they'll give you a voucher if you're going to come back. And if you want to go just a little further, go up to the Snaifels Peninsula. That's one of my favorites. Snaifels Peninsula. Yes. Um, York, it's been great talking to you. We're out of time. I'd like you just to take us to your most dramatic spot for my one moment to appreciate the natural, solitary wonder of Iceland. Where would I be? What would I experience? Uh, Yeah. Schulzvern, that's where you had the center of the earth. Just a big, classic, white lump, big volcano, ice on top, the wind. You're looking out at the ocean, nothing between you and Antarctica if you go in a straight line. Just the silence, the shapes, the birds, um, and just the, the spiritual feel to it. I was going to almost go to that spiritual thing. It's, it is I'm kind of spiritual. I'm trying to avoid it, aren't I? Ah, I know. You're, <laughs> it's you're not a very spiritual guy, but you can't help it when you're in a spot like that. I cannot. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It totally is. All right. It gives me chills. Yorick Harker, that's an inspiration. Thank you very much for joining <laughs> us, and you got us thinking about Iceland. Thanks so much. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. I love art. And in my new book, Europe's Top 100 Masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's a greatest hit sweep through art history via the finest paintings, sculpture, and architecture ever. It's all in Europe's top 100 masterpieces, Art for the Traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com.